Hi, I'm Kristen, and this is the Simple Handmade Everyday Podcast, where I talk about living a creative, intentional life. I like to chat about quilting, sometimes knitting, what I'm reading and watching, and even a little about keeping a cozy, organized home. I've got my cup of tea in hand, so let's settle in for a chat. This is episode 24. Today, I am drinking Harney and Sons. English breakfast, sort of back to basics, loose leaf tea. Um, I always complain that I'm drinking too caffeine and today is no exception. This weekend I actually bought some decaf green tea. I don't know why I bothered because green tea is already lower in caffeine, but I haven't been able to bear to actually open the package. I just got it from Trader Joe's tea bags, but I just like, I want my black tea. I love my caffeine filled black tea, but Harney and Sons, great quality. I love it. This is not an ad. I just really like them. So my goodness, I felt like the last time we talked just two weeks ago, I was complaining that it was the depths of winter here in Southern California. And now it seems like full on summer. It was into the 80s over the weekend, which felt really good. And you know, with the time change, the way the light changes, it just seems like full on summer. You know what I mean? It, it's the I, I the first Monday after the time change, I was making dinner and I was just, you know, starting prep at 530 or something. So dinner's going to be ready at 630. And my son said, why are you making dinner so early? I was like, this is the normal time. It's just the light made it seem like it was the middle of the afternoon. Why are you making dinner at 430 in the afternoon? So I totally got it. But I am loving it. So this... Um, Weekend, my husband uh, mowed and edged the lawn. I wiped down all the patio furniture and put all the cushions back on. Now, we don't put them away because like of snow. We put them away because it just rained, 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 and it kind of ruins them to just get soaked all the time. And so I I wiped down all the patio furniture, put the cushions on, rearranged my succulents, um, put the cushion back in my swing chair. Uh, Last year for Mother's Day, I got this this chair that I love. It's... um, it's like a big hanging one globe with one side opened and you just sit in it and you can swing. Oh my God, I just love it. It's I can I can spend hours. As a matter of fact, I started to have neck problems last year because I spent so many hours in that chair. But, um, you know, the actual yard is a mess. <laughs> there's just, there's weeds everywhere. The vegetable garden is just 100% either um, nasturtiums, which just self-seed. I, I'm not lying to you when I tell you that I planted um, nasturtiums over 20 years ago once, and I've never really had to replant them since. They're just those, they just come up every year, and then we ignore them because they're really happy this time of year when we're ignoring the yard, and they just drop their seeds, and they just come up, and they come up, and they come up. So it's either weeds or nasturtiums. So th- there are worse things in the world to have an entire uh, plot of land that just has, you know, uh, nasturtium. So don't get me wrong, but I'm, and it's just been really wet. So we haven't been able to really do any weeding, but things are starting to dry out. And I'm really looking forward to getting my hands in the dirt out there and cleaning it up. And I've mentioned, um, several times that I bought a bag of, um, bulbs from Costco for a cutting garden. And now I'm starting to panic as I'm talking to you. It is March 19th today. And I think you were, you can plant these through March. (laughs) So I guess I better get out there and get these suckers into the ground. Oh my goodness. That might be my project for for the coming weekend. But um, yeah, it just feels like summer weather. We ate 
um, dinner outside one night and I just really enjoy spending more time in the backyard um, and, and just, you know, this, this sunny weather. And I, I know it's not like going to stay. This is always the way it is that we get this little reprieve. And, and I don't really want it to be in the 80s. I could live happily in the mid... 70s, mid to high 70s. I know that's a really controversial temperature, right? Like, doesn't everybody want to live in that? But so I don't really want to jump right into the 80s. But um, just, you know, the time of year where I can leave doors and windows open, and I just feel like there's lots of light and fresh air. So that's what's kind of happening now. And I am digging the weather. Oh my gosh, I just realized I just basically spent four minutes talking about the weather. So please, please forgive me. Let's move on to quilting. Once again, I am so happy to welcome Fat Quarter Shop as a sponsor for this week's podcast. Fat Quarter Shop is a one-stop show for quilting fabrics and supplies for quilters around the world. They stock quilt shop quality fabrics, pre-cuts, quilt kits, patterns, and notions. They are always coming up with exciting new exclusives, clubs, and quilt-along programs. Fat Quarter Shop carries all major brands such as Moda, Riley Blake, Wyndham, Robert Kaufman, and Art Gallery Fabrics with the largest selection of Fat Quarter bundles in the world. Whatever fabric, pattern, or notion you're looking for, chances are they'll have it. And if they don't, just ask. Their customer service team is the best, and they will even help you match colors over the phone and online. Visit them at fatquartershop.com. This month, Fat Quarter Shop is featuring 20% off of confetti cottons from Riley Blake and 30% off of all Clover Notions. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. Last episode, I think I mentioned that I was going to go to the Camarillo Quilt Guild meeting and watch a lecture and do a class with Sarah Goer. I'll put a link in the show notes. So I did. I did what I said I was going to do, which is not a given. Um, I went to the lecture, and I actually brought along my friend Minky from down the street, Minky Kim. And she's never been to a Quilt Guild meeting, so this was, um, you know, kind of a, a fun little adventure for us. That particular Quilt Guild skews a little bit older. So the first thing Minky said after we came in and looked around a little bit is, I think that we are the youngest people in this room by a large amount. <laughs> She she was not wrong, although Sarah Goer herself is definitely younger than, than me, and Minky's younger than me. There's lots of people younger than me, but not at the Cameroon Quilt Guild. <laughs> um, but, you know, that is who is available to go to a Quilt Guild meeting at 9.30 on a Tuesday morning, you know, so that makes sense. Um, I need to actually check out some other Quilt Guilds that meet at night, um, like the Ventura Modern Quilt Guild. One of these days I'm going to get over there. It's just there's not a good way for me to get there. It's kind of um, it's kind of a long ways away and there's not a good road to get there. Anyways, irrelevant. So back to the Camarillo Quilt Guild. Um, the lecture was great. Um, so Sarah Goer um, is modern. She does a lot of improv and she did like a slide presentation with um, kind of some of her her philosophy of modern quilting. She does a lot of challenges um, you know, swaps and like modern quilt guild challenges and things like that, which I think is kind of cool because what it does is it gives her a framework to create a, a quilt, a, a piece of art even, let's call it. And that goes very much hand in hand with the book that I've told you a million times about called the Modern Improv Handbook. I think I butchered that title. I'll put a link in the show notes by, oh boy, Kristen, you should have been prepared. Sherilyn Woods. I believe. And so um, with improv, 
with a, like modern quilting, but especially improv, you need to create some li- limiting factors. So whether otherwise it's just, it's going to be a mess. There's no like message to it in the same way that, you know, um, a jazz solo seems like it's random, but it's really playing around with variations of the melody. It's in the same key. It's doing arpeggios within that key, you know, things like that. Um, you need to create a few little rules for yourself. So that can be limiting yourself to to colors or doing contrasting colors or um, colors in the same family. You know, um, you could be uh, playing around with a single shape. Um, you know, there's just, there's lots of different things that you can, can do to kind of give uh, a theme to your, to your piece. And so um, I, I just, I really enjoyed uh, her lecture. I, I learned a lot from her. And then she did a huge trunk show of all kinds of, of quilts that she's done. One, you know, the ones that really spoke to me, like there was one particular one, which apparently she did with the leftovers from a quilt challenge that she did. And it was just, I guess they were actually snowball blocks. I would have thought they were half square triangles, but she did, um, had snowball blocks. It, it was mostly a, uh, an off white quilt with little triangles that kind of formed butterflies, you know, where they just met at the corner and the corners. And there were maybe just like 10 or 12 of these little, little, um, two triangles coming together. And it's, it was mostly a negative space quilt and I loved it. And they were just kind of irregularly spaced, but very nicely. And I said to Mickey, I love that quilt. And I don't know if I'll ever be brave enough to do a quilt that really has so little to it. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like what we do is we piece. And so if there's so little to piece, what's the point? It's a lot of fabric to say so little yet. It's what I love. It's this, it's the type that really minimalistic quilting or quilt top quilt design is something that I love. And then you actually can do a lot with the quilting, but let's be honest, I'm a piecer, not a quilter. You know, that's kind of my, my, my quilting identity. So I'm just not sure I can make myself do it, but I, I need, should just maybe do a mini quilt where I just do something very minimal and, and play around with that because, um, you know, I just, I find it really appealing and the, the minimalism category at QuiltCon, I loved it. I loved it. And I guess, you know, what you do with a minimalist quilt has to be really good because there's so little of it. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was really fun. And then the next day I got to go to, um, the workshop, but actually I'm jumping ahead because the night before the workshop, I needed to pick fabrics. So the, um, the project that we were going to work on is basically a bunch of different sized squares. And she said to, again, pick a theme, uh, either squares in the same color family or two contrasting colors, and then having a background, um, that contracts a lot. And it can be either one fabric or lots of different fabrics. So I wanted to do a, a low volume background so that I had like a scrappy background. And I thought that I would do like blues for my squares. So I pull out all the blues of my stash, which I have to say, I do not use my stash well. And I think that I have kind of figured out why. And it's because my stash does not work together Um, because I feel like I've had several different quilting personalities since I started quilting like eight or nine years ago. And so my fabrics don't work together. So I, I love blue. I pull out the blues and I want 
I don't know how many, you know, I want seven or eight different color blues, um, at least to, to play around with, or actually more. I think I, I was pulling more like even 15 or 20. So I wanted a range. I wanted them to go from dark to light. Well, first of all, the, I do have a very nice range of dark blues and that was really pretty, but and then I have a range of light blues. I realized once I was taking pictures with my phone, so it's black and white, and um, I have nothing in the middle. I have no. There, I have dark blues and I have light blues. I have very few medium blues, and my dark blues and light blues are completely different. They do not play well together at all. And I think I have admitted many times I'm a little color insecure. So I was just, you know, I'm not really good. Some people are very brave about mixing things that I wouldn't, but then I was like, oh, that looks really good, but I'm, I'm just not that brave. So I started texting my um, resident color expert friend, Holly Ann, over at String and & Story, and I'm like, help me. <laughs> and so she's, I'm sending her pictures. She is like Xing out one saying, pull these out and then take another picture. I'm like, okay, I see why you're taking those out. And, oh, and also, no, I like that one. And um, I send it back. And I'm like, this is still not working. And here's what it looks in black and white. And she's saying, I don't know, I think it works. And I'm like, I don't think this works. So then I just I start looking around um, my sewing room for just, you know, what am I going to do here? Do I have fabric in other places? Because I do have my stash um, organized by color uh, in these particular bookshelves. But I also have another section of stuff that I'm kind of working with that are that are still in lines. Um, that's in another area. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to see if there's anything I can pull. Well, I have this stack of, it was a fat quarter bundle from Lori Holt. Um, I think it's the B basics line and it's super cute. It is the line that I'm doing my current hand pieced quilt along quilt in. So I picked, I'm like a rainbow of colors, um, navies, aquas, greens, yellows, oranges, and reds. Okay. So like just, you know, straight up rainbow, but that left a bunch, um, of fabrics in this bundle that I wasn't using kind of more of like the, the greeny blues and stuff. So it turns out there was this little stack of very appealing colors to me that, um, are a greeny blue, bluey green. I don't know. What would we call that? It's not teal. It's definitely a little, I don't know. To look at it now, I would call it blues that night. I would have called it more on the green side, but anyways, there was a, um, I would call it a starter kit of four or five fabrics that all went together. And then I was able to find some other things in my stash to add to it that very much went in this greeny aqua-y thing. As a matter of fact, I was able to pull a couple fabrics out of the blue pile that I was working with and add it to this greeny blue. <laughs> Please, somebody give me words to describe colors. Um, this this new found pile and it looked actually better there which just showed you that it was it's one of those things where you take a fabric and you put it next to blues it looks blue you put it next to green it looks green so anyways I came up with a very nice pile I was so <laughs> relieved and um that was the first hurdle but it really made me realize number one I I've gone through my stash several times and and pulled stuff out that it's not really me and I really like the fabric in my stash, but it does not like each other. They do not want to play together. And I am really feeling drawn to using my stash better and creating some quilts out of that stash so that I'm just sort of not adding to 
um, this, the more consumerism, like the use what you have type of thing. It's going to take some creativity, I think, to figure out how to do that. Because I'd really like to do just, yeah, like an all blue quilt. As a matter of fact, the handpiece quilt along, I wanted to do it scrappy blue and white. And I had the same problem. I don't know why I was surprised the other night because I had the same problem that I could not get enough blues to work together. So what did I do? I resorted to a fat quarter bundle. So sort of cheating. But um, so then the next day I go to this, um, this class. I've never been to a workshop. Um, so I, you know, brought my sewing machine. It was kind of nice because there was, you know, I don't know, maybe seven or eight people there. Everybody had, we had like our own table. Oh, I also had to make a little design wall to take. So I have a piece of foam board that I used to, as a light reflector when I do photography. And I just wrapped some um, quilt batting around it and duct taped it to the back and voila, a little temporary design wall, a little mini design wall. I think I'll leave it like that and go buy a new uh, foam board for light reflecting purposes. So that was kind of cool. But again, so I, I really feel like this uh, Sarah Goer, who used to be a math teacher, she really knew her stuff. And um, so she spent the first part of the class just kind of explaining the idea of... Um, of creating these squares um, in, you know, sizes that made you happy, but everything had to be sort of on the half inch. So one and a half, two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. And once you cut them up and laid them out, then you actually stopped and you um, kind of made a pattern for it on graph paper. You sketched it out and then you were able to figure out how big of a quilt you wanted, and then you could um, figure out how to cut your background pieces so that you wouldn't go absolutely crazy trying to make this all work. And I think she calls it planned improv. So, I, you know, it, it's very appealing to me to play around for a while, and then once you get something you're happy with, kind of commit it to paper and create a little bit of a pattern so that... Um, yeah, so you don't go totally crazy trying to fit everything because, I don't know, I'm not mathy. So taking the time to figure out the sizes on paper it was it was pretty cool. And I finished my first one pretty quickly. I basically did two quilt tops. Um, uh, they were, I don't know, I'm going to say roughly fat quarter size, you know, 18 by... <laughs> I, I meant to make them 18 inches square, but um, yeah, math... <laughs> not my thing. So I've got two of them. Now I don't know what to do with it. Um, uh, yeah, I might maybe turn them, maybe make one more and turn it into a table topper. I like wide table runners. I learned this from buying one at Target. That's about, I think that one's about 20 inches, but I think an 18 inch wide, um, table runner is really nice because a lot of the ones I make are like 12 inches and now that seems super skinny to me so I just kind of like the the width of that so maybe I'll do that I just figured that out right now so thank you very much so I'm leaving that up on my design wall for now to inspire me to maybe just I think just maybe one more might do it maybe two but that was fun but I've got a few other things to do before that I sat down I was feeling a little stressed so I sat down and made a list of all the open quilting projects that I have going right now that have sort of a bit of an obligation attached to them. So it's not just something I want to do for myself, like the improv quilt I was just talking about, things for magazines or for um, places that have sent me fabric to to play with. And boy, the, the list is long and scary. <laughs> so I just I needed to commit it to paper so it would stop floating around in my head. And um, so now I have a plan. So the, the quilt, um, 
that for with the Boro fabric I've been talking about that is on my way on its way back to me from the long arm from Holly Ann long armed that and so I need to um, possibly block it because of the stretchy linen and I'm a little bit worried about that I need to look up blocking um, here's something I didn't think about that it's a combination of this very dark kind of indigo blue and and then off-white linen is the background. Um, I don't pre-wash fabric. I never have. I've never had an issue with it. I throw in several color catchers whenever I wash it, but I'm not going to wash this. And I'm a little afraid that if I dunk it in the bathtub or I just spritz it with water to block it, that something's going to run. But, you know, before it gets back... Um, while it's in the mail, I can go test this. And that's what I actually, I need to make a note to just go test that. So I will calm down because I would like to do is just maybe, um, spray it down with some water and pin it to the floor of my daughter's room before she comes home for spring break <laughs> and make sure that it's nice and squared up before I trim it and bind it. So, um, still need to write the pattern for that. So that's kind of my number one priority to, to get going on that. And it's funny how I could just be resistant to the number one priority, even though I, I love it. I love to bind. I love to make binding. I love to actually bind. So, but somehow when there's a deadline looming, it uh, makes me not want to work on it. It's weird. Um, so I've, you know, I talked about last week, some other projects that are on my on my uh, cutting table, um, I'm very excited to get quilting with uh, Minky Someday Fabrics doing the navy and pink quilt, and I'm not sure what that is destined for, and the Prairie Sisters uh, fabric. I I'm just keep mulling over ideas for that, and I finally got caught up with my own quilt along um, for the hand piece and the hand piece quilt along, I knocked out like three, no, two and a half blocks over the weekend. That's the thing. When you get behind on, um, mine and Patty's quilt along, it doesn't take that long to get caught up. So I did, um, a lot of hand sewing while watching Umbrella Academy this weekend. And I will tell you about that more at the end. Speaking of the hand piece quilt along, um, we just released the ninth block which is the ninth and final block. Next week is uh, the sashing and setting. And then we're just going to give some people some time to figure it out before we do the grand prize. It's been so much fun. It's been a ton of work, but uh, all in the best way possible. And my co-host, Patty Dudek at Elm Street Quilts, she was just on the Just Wanna Quilt podcast. I actually don't know when that just very recently, I was listening to it before I started recording today. She did a great job, and Elizabeth is always just like so fun and enthusiastic. And those interviews, they just they just go off in whatever direction strikes her fancy, which can be really like very fun and unexpected. So you might want to check out Patty over there. I'll put a link in the in the show notes. She talks about her um, Briar Rose quilt, which was in QuiltCon. Um, which is a modern take on the crown of thorns um, quilt block quilt pattern and it's actually in this month's um, issue of make modern magazine so um, if you get that definitely check it out it's super cute i i love it it's basically the type of quilt that i kind of aspire to make it, you know what it goes a lot along with what i was just talking about it's kind of um crown of thorns block which uh francis over the off quilter quilt um, made one in connection with her Friendship Album quilt because Dorothy from Friendship Album makes a, a Crown of Thorns quilt. And Patty did a modern take on it where it's sort of like 
these half square triangles that sort of explode out. So it's a little on the minimalist side and, and I love it. I love it. I really need to try something like that. Maybe I should just download that, that issue and make that actually that actual quilt and, and, uh, you know, break through that barrier that I've been hesitant to, to break through in the past. So until I actually get off my duff and start knocking things off of my big scary list, that is all I have to talk about for quilting. Um, so let's move on to books. The first book I want to talk about is a book that's coming out on April 2nd, and I was lucky enough to get my hands on an advanced copy, and it's called Dwelling by Melissa Michaels. Melissa Michaels has a fabulous blog called The Inspired Room. So she's a fabulous home decorator. It's, it's very inspiring. You should go definitely check that out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, she's written several books, but this one it has a little different twist to it. So it's called Dwelling. And in the, the, the way it is written, the word well within the word dwelling is like gray and italicized. And it's called Simple Ways to Nourish Your Home, Body, and Soul. So it's not just a book about like how to, you know, decorate your house. It is about how to take care of your self, body, and soul and your home so that they are all working together. This book, like the concept of this book could not be any more me. So let me just read a little bit of the back here where it says, feel well where you dwell. Our dwellings, both our home and body are intricately connected. Each has the potential to inspire the other to be its very best. Your home is where life happens. Create a sanctuary that inspires your well-being so that you can experience greater peace, comfort, and belonging. Your body, mind, and soul need daily nourishment to help you feel healthy and happy. Discover simple ways to make self-care a priority. So this is just absolutely right up my alley. Um, and I just got it not too long ago, so I ha I'm not that far into it, um, maybe 25%, um, but I'm, I'm loving it. And it's actually one of those things uh, that it's a little bit of, of uh, a workbook, like you can journal your way through it. There's journaling prompts so that you can, kind of like my power sheets, you can kind of uncover what's important to you and then make sure that you are honoring that, making time for that, clearing space for that. And so I, I busted out a, a note, new notebook for this. I love a good notebook. And I've started um, kind of actually taking the time. I'm a little resistant to do that. I just like, I want to just keep reading and not stop and, and do the journal prompts. But um, I am being faithful to do at least most of them. Um, but let me just tell you like the names of some of the chapters. Invitation, well-being, sanctuary, loveliness, savoring, streamlining, foraging, nourishing, gathering, thriving. So... She kind of dives into each of these. So I am hoping that um, by my next podcast, which is in two weeks, I will have definitely gotten all the way through this um, and I'll have a little bit more to say about it. But I will tell you that um, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Definitely go check out her website and be inspired. And all her books are just there from a design perspective. It's lovely. And this is just, it's a really nice kind of smallish size, but it's hardback and it's got this these blue watercolor um, paintings on it. It's just, it's really nice. So could not be more at my alley. Maybe it's, you're the type of person <laughs> that uh, it would appeal to you too. Um, I'll tell you more about it next week, but if you do, uh, if you feel inspired just by what you're hearing here, I'll put a link to her website. And I believe there's going to be some, um, 
if you pre-order it, there's some some goodies that go along with that. So I haven't really looked into to what that is, but I will I'll send you over there to to check it out. So that is Dwelling by Melissa Michaels. The other book that I'm reading in the mornings when I want to do a little bit of inspirational reading, and I've I've talked about this before. It's not a new book, but it's Simple Abundance by uh, Sarah Ban. Breathenbach. I never really know how to say that name. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's one of those books that um, each day, like you can just, whatever the date is today, you can just look that up. And each month has a theme. I've never been through the whole book before. I, I basically kind of float in and out of it, you know, when I'm looking for something inspirational. But the month of March um, has a really just nice theme of, of self-care and so I've been really uh, enjoying that. And that's a book that you can so easily find used on Amazon or something. And uh, it's just that little dose of inspiration in the morning that I think just makes me kind of, you know, think about how I want to spend the day, creating um, little spaces in your life. You know, as quilters, you know, obviously... <laughs> I have more than a little space in my life that I have carved out for my own. I have like an entire dining room that I have taken over. But um, but just making time to do those kinds of things that, that make you happy, to overcome those little bits of resistance to, to jump in and sit down and sew or knit or cook or read. You know, there's always something else that we can do um, to keep us busy, that will just keep us humming along and productive. But, you know, when I get to the end of my life, um, I hope that I will not be measured by how clean my refrigerator is, but, you know, by the, the quilts I've left behind. And so let's just get our priorities straight, people. Quilting over cleaning. (laughs) And again, the other two books that I am reading and, um, just doing in little bits, and I've talked about them both before, but I'm just not knocking back the the books these days, is Becoming by Michelle Obama. I am absolutely loving her story, and she's a very good writer, so I'm enjoying that. Again, I'm not that far into it, but I think I absolutely can can recommend it. I'm loving it. And The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. I started this a while ago, um, and and for some reason found other things that I wanted to read, but I rediscovered it on my Kindle. That is the problem with Kindles. It's kind of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing for me. Um, But I discovered it because I'm really trying to um, either read paper books, which is what my uh, Michelle Obama book is, physical book, or just read on my Kindle and not my iPad, because the iPad can be distracting if I see news alerts coming in or um, text messages. So I need to just leave that when I read at night somewhere else and read on my Kindle. So I rediscovered The Great Alone. Um, I'm you know, again, 20-ish percent in, and I'm, I'm enjoying it very much about a, well, so far, I'm <laughs> not that far, about a, a family that moves to very rural Alaska and, um, and what it's going to be like there. So that's, uh, from what I've read, that's what I think it's going to be about. I actually, I don't like to read jacket covers because I really hate spoilers, which is why I struggle to talk about these things on podcasts because I don't want to give away too much, but I want to give you enough to uh, encourage you to maybe check it out. So I feel like these are really lame book references um, and reviews this this week because I haven't actually finished a book for a while, except for, did I? I talked about the Home Fires eBooks um, last podcast, and I don't think I had finished all four at that point. And I have. What I have to say about the, the what do they call Keep the Home Fires Burning eBooks, which are the continuation of the Home Fires uh, TV series. 
is that I enjoyed them. They are not... I, I have a little bit of issue about the way they're written. I've said it before, he's a better screenwriter than novelist. And I think maybe one of the most disappointing things about it is that it's... Well, it could be disappointing or not. It didn't resolve with the fourth ebook, um, which is what... So there are four ebooks. They're very short. Together, they make one book which the last time I checked was actually on sale for $8.99 for the, the the first four. But there's clearly more coming because he did not resolve all the things that I wanted resolved. And the next one is not coming until October, which I am thinking means that he's just going to write a whole book by then. And it's not going to be this weird thing of let's just dole out, uh, I don't know, 75 pages and charge two ninety nine for it. I mean, it's not about the money um, because it's about the same no matter what. But I think he was just trying to meet the fan demand at that point. So anyways, um, I enjoyed the story. I I like those characters. I will, in fact, probably buy the next one because I am invested. I want to know what happens and I don't find the writing um, like so atrocious that I can't get through it. Um, So I'm just invested in the story. Oh my goodness. I didn't think I had enough to talk about today, but I've apparently just blabbed on longer than usual. So let me just move on to shows. Um, I mentioned before that I was watching, uh, is it Umbrella Academy? The Umbrella Academy? I'm not even sure. But it's a new Netflix show that um, I came across because I'm in a uh, Facebook group for the podcast Sorta Awesome, which is a really good podcast to, to check out. And it has a great Facebook group where people just basically are doing lives together. And that we're just, you know, everyone's just asking questions about, you know, like parenting, beauty, clothes, you just all kinds of things. And someone said, um, basically, I'm on bed rest. What's the next, what's the, something that good I can binge watch? And overwhelmingly, people were saying Umbrella Academy. So I went to go check it out. And then it turns out that my daughter, um, who writes for the um, school newspaper at UC San Diego, she did a review on it. And maybe if I can find it, maybe I'll even link to it because I thought she wrote a really good review about it. So this is a show that's a little tiny bit superhero-y. I, I hesitate to call it superhero-y, but it's definitely fantasy. It's, you know, there are elements that are not real life. Let me just say that. Um, but, you know, I will tell you things that happen in the first, you know, five minutes of the show so it's not really spoilers but basically one particular day at some point a number of people I'm going to say like 48 people delivered babies that day that were not pregnant when the day began so like something super weird happened and some eccentric billionaire went around and tried to adopt as many of these babies as he could. And he ended up with, again, I'm not, I'm going to say seven. I could be wrong. <laughs> Something like that. And he raised them in this house. And many of them had superpowers. And they were like his own little Avengers, his own little, you know, save the world group of, of kids. So they all had very weird, a very weird upbringing. But the show really starts um, when this guy has died and they had all scattered. And so now they're, I'm going to say, well, they're the same age, right? I don't know, like 30-ish. They all come back together for their dad's funeral. And, um, you know, and then that's where, where the, the launching pad for this story. And it's quite good. It's quite good. There's a lot of, there's, it's just fun. There's a great soundtrack to it. 
I couldn't figure out why I was singing, like humming to myself. Um, I think we're alone now, which I think was like a, like a Tiffany song from the 80s. And it, when I, I went back and rewatched the beginning, um, because it, I kind of started watching it and then set it aside. And then I when I saw that scene, I'm like, that's why I've been singing this song. It really stuck with me. Um, but they're basically just they're trying to... Um, Oh, I don't want to give too much away, but th th something's going to happen and they're going to try to stop it. And they're going to, you know, kind of figure out stuff about their dad and why they were raised the way they were. And um, so it it's quite good. I'm not actually done. I think there's maybe 10 episodes and I think I'm on episode seven. So I'm getting there. So I, it hasn't resolved. But the story has lots of good twists and turns. Um, things are unexpected things are happening and there's just there's a lot of humor to it and so I'm really enjoying that and for what it's worth my husband and I are plugging along with Madam Secretary with Tia Leone and I could not love it more the way their marriage plays out somebody direct messaged me and said that she thought that the way they their marriage is like one of the best marriages um, you know portrayed on television and I could not agree more I so appreciate um, it's Tim Daly who was on Wings he was the the older brother on Wings who I always liked better than the, the younger one that we were all supposed to be in love with but um, he does such a great job and you know they're in a very much the same kind of age and parenting section of their lives that that I am and so it's just really fun to see a strong male character who can handle being married to a strong woman. So this is so unlike Prince Albert and Victoria. Did I say this before? I could have. Or um, Prince Philip in The Crown. Here's a guy that just basically treats his wife like a wife normally treats a husband with a high-powered job, which is, you know, like just completely supportive and holding down the fort, you know. So um, totally loving, loving that. And I guess, well, let me just say right now, um, I'm just going to take a little break to say thank you for the people who left reviews because someone had something to say about Madam Secretary. So MN Zen, thank you for your wonderful review. And I want to say Posaru, P-O-S-A-R-U, um, also left a review. Thank you so much. And Pecky Belly says that if you like Madam Secretary to check out the Satellite Sisters podcast, um, because uh, they apparently discuss it. And I am totally going to, totally going to do that. I once listened to a Lost rewatch podcast when I got completely into Lost about four years ago. You know, again, <laughs> I'm not exactly on the cutting edge of these shows. Lost had been like 10 years before. And it's so fun to to kind of listen to these things where, um, where they break it down. So thank you for that. So if you also like Madam Secretary, check out the Satellite Sisters podcast. So let's finish this out with my homemaking section here. And I feel like I've really gone on and on. So I'll keep this short. But basically, I've been kind of interested in upping my game with my cooking lately. I mean, I do fine. And I I feel like I cook meals on a pretty tight rotation. But I think compared to a lot of people, I don't. I use this index card system um, where basically every normal meal that I make, you know, that's really in the rotation, I have an index card for. And the idea is that I could just deal out, you know, six or seven for the week. And then that could be um, what I make. In reality, I kind of just flip through them, but it reminds me of what I make, right? So I probably have a rotation of 
30 dishes or something. I'm not like on a tight rotation of five, but I still am sick of all 30 of them. 30 might be an exaggeration. I don't know. So I've been a little bit interested in upping my game um, with with meals. And part of that reason is my husband cooks on Saturday nights. And we've done, done this for years. He likes to cook. As soon as he gets home from work, he's totally in the kitchen with me prepping stuff and, and cooking. Um, so that's I'm, I'm really lucky in that way. But let's be honest, coming up with the things to make is 80% of it. It's the, the cooking's not the hard part. It's the coming up with stuff. So I asked him years ago, you profess to like to cook. Will you just take over dinner one night a week? And so he does that on Saturdays. And I got to say, he makes really good stuff. And he's like, he's looking up stuff and food and wine. And, you know, he, he makes a lot of what we call triangle meals, you know, like a, a protein, a starch and a vegetable, but they're really good. It's like grilled swordfish with lime butter and mushroom risotto and, you know, I don't know, roasted broccoli or something, you know, like just like really good stuff. He does all the, um, you know, kind of like the same thing, like try to bake potato, vegetable. And this is not the way I cook at all. Nothing I make involves one piece of meat. It's not that I always make casseroles, but I'm more like, a, you know, pasta with a sauce or I make a lot of like fish tacos or regular tacos or, um, yeah, you know, just dishes where things are mixed together more is what I'm trying to say. Chili or a roast, things like that. And so, um, I wouldn't want every one of my meals to be a triangle meal, but you know, this once a week is, is really good. He also makes these great things like he'll make jambalaya or shrimp risotto. So I just feel like every Saturday night I get basically what is a restaurant quality meal. He also makes bread from scratch a lot. And I'm like, well, on his night to cook. So, you know, especially in the winter, um, when we don't mind heating up the house, you know, cause it, it actually, you have to cook it for a while. Um, he makes it a lot. And so I feel a little jealous. I feel like when my kids <laughs> are out on their own, they're going to remember his meals more than my meals. And so I started flipping through um, my cookbooks and I thought, you know what? I own a treasure trove of cookbooks here and I need to, I've always wanted to do this, kind of pick a cookbook and, and sort of cook my way through it. Um, and so I need to kind of do that. I do have not that it's high end cooking, but I have a Rachel Ray 30 minute meals cookbook that he gave me years ago. Um, back when, you know, I was watching food TV and I got to say that there are some real favorite dishes, um, in that cookbook and they are easy. Rachel Ray, I don't think she's a formally trained chef, but that woman knows what tastes good. And so she has a lot of these, um, you know, our sloppy Joe's recipes from that. Jonah's very favorite chicken piccata pasta is out of that, um, cookbook. And so she just has really a lot of really staple meals. But again, that's not actually what I'm looking for right now. I also have, um, what's it called? Simple Food, I think by Alice Waters that I should just really um, work my way through. The same way that I worked my way through some free motion quilting books and learned a lot by the end, I just feel like I need to dig into a cookbook. So I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. And that really wraps up this week. I'm sorry, I was quite a rambler this week. Maybe it is my way of compensating for not feeling like I had much content. But I always enjoy spending this time with you. I hope that you got to listen while you were doing something fun, drinking something cozy. And I will see you next time.